Shalom, and welcome to Israel Policy Pod. I'm your host, Evan Gottesman. Yesterday, King Abdullah of Jordan had his half-brother, Prince Hamza, placed under house arrest, alleging his role in a supposed coup attempt, allegations that the prince denies. To break down these events, as well as their ramifications for Jordan's relationships with its neighbors, including Israel, I'm joined by Israel Policy Forum's Israel Fellow, Nimrod Novik. Nimrod was a senior foreign policy advisor to Shimon Peres and serves on the steering committee of Commanders for Israel's Security. He has long and extensive relationships with serving and former senior Jordanian officials. Nimrod, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So can you describe what happened in Jordan? To the extent that we know, and, and I'm not sure that we, I, I, I suspect that we don't know everything. Um, what happened was that uh, the uh, security establishment in Jordan, uh, military and intelligence, um, arrested over a dozen uh, individuals who are affiliated, uh, associated in one way or another with uh, Prince Hamza, uh, alleging um, that they have conspired uh, to undermine uh, national security, um, which generally translates into trying to produce a a coup. Um, Prince Hamza managed before his uh, communication channels were cut off managed to sneak to the West um, a a five-minute recording uh, where he alleged a different story, uh, obviously, uh, that he had nothing to do with conspiring uh, and that the only thing that uh, he's uh, guilty of is expressing uh, uh, unpleasant uh, uh, remarks about the situation in in Jordan uh, in terms of uh, the economy, uh, the health system, uh, but uh, most sensitive in terms of uh, what he described is widespread corruption, nepotism, and ineffective governance. Uh, since then, uh, there were hints by the uh, Jordanian authorities that some foreign governments uh, have been involved in that alleged plot, um, which triggered Uh, a wave uh, of supportive statements from all the uh, would-be suspects, Saudi Arabia, UAE, Egypt, Bahrain, uh, Turkey, uh, including Iran. Uh, Iran, of course, uh, was the one that blamed, uh, accused Israel of uh, uh, triggering the plot. Um, But other than that, all that we know is that uh, Probably under 20 individuals uh, are under arrest, and Prince Hamza is under house arrest. Can you tell us a little bit about Prince Hamza? What is his relationship with King Abdullah, and why did the king previously withdraw Hamza's status as crown prince? Hamza was uh, not the senior, but the favorite son of the late King Hussein. Um, By the time of King Hussein's uh, passing, he was far too young um, to be um, entrusted uh, with the the kingdom. 
Um, so it was uh, Abdullah who, uh, who, um, whom King Hussein uh, anointed two weeks before his passing uh, as uh, his successor, as crown prince. Um, it took um, Abdullah, the king now, it took him about five years uh, to solidify his position uh, in the uh, Jordanian establishment. Uh, and once he had enough confidence in his position, uh, he removed Hamza from uh, the succession. And a few years later, uh, did what most kings do, uh, and that is appointed his son uh, as a crown prince. Uh, he uh, stripped uh, uh, Prince Hamza of all his responsibilities, um, uh, alleging that he's making him free uh, to do important stuff. Um, Hamza has emerged as a uh, very articulate and popular uh, figure uh, on the Jordanian uh, street. Um, and when the uh, situation in Jordan uh, grew from uh, bad to worse in terms of the economy uh, and in terms of uh, regime control uh, over the media, civil rights, and all that, uh, his popularity grew further. Um, and particularly, and that probably was uh, the uh, most alarming feature of his political uh, presence, uh, he became popular with the tribes, with the Bedouin tribes, uh, who who has have long been uh, the uh, primary power base uh, of uh, the uh, uh, Hashemite family. So it sounds like there were the seeds of a strained relationship even before this most recent series of events. None of it was visible, at least to the foreign eye. And I suspect that even internally, uh, Hamza was sufficiently careful and Abdallah was sufficiently confident um, and self-reserved uh, not to give expression to any of this. But, you know, there was a, there was a moment uh, in 1999 where something even more dramatic happened. And to this very day, with no such ramifications. In 1999, uh, King Abdullah came from, uh, from on, on his uh, deathbed, came to the kingdom um, and removed... King Hussein. Uh, King Hussein, I'm sorry. Uh, and removed his successor since 1965, uh, his brother, uh, Prince uh, uh, Hassan, uh, and named Abdullah as a successor. Um, most, uh, I mean, Jordanians were stunned and so was the observing world. Uh, I must confess that some of us were not. In 1988, 11 years before that eventuality took place, uh, Abdullah, then student in, I think, uh, yeah, Georgetown University, uh, asked uh, Shimon Peres uh, to send somebody to open a channel. And I was sent to talk to him. And we had lengthy conversations, during which he sent a message to Paris that his father considers him the eventual successor and is prepping him for the job, taking him to uh, international summits, 
Arab League summits, bringing him to meetings with foreign leaders so that he will start uh, learning the, the, the tools of the trade, of diplomacy, international diplomacy. Uh, from time to time, his uncle, uh, the crown prince then, uh, would get mad and, and he and daddy uh, would decide to lower the profile of his involvement. Uh, but uh, as early as 88, he conveyed a formal message uh, to Israel uh, that uh, we should take him seriously. He's on his way to becoming a successor. And he did that, and King Hussein did that, and Abdallah became king. And uh, Crown Prince then Hassan withdrew to his corner, um, kept on doing important things on, uh, on social issues, um, education, and so on. And there was no indication um, that he was uh, trying or conspiring uh, to take revenge. Interesting. So it seems like there is, I don't want to say precedent for this sort of thing, but we've seen something like this play out before, perhaps in a different way, though. Um, I want to take a moment now to talk about the other individuals who were arrested. You mentioned at the beginning that it was over a dozen people. Who are some of these people and what are their relationships with the king and with Prince Hamza? The only ones whose names have been mentioned, um, publicly or privately thus far, are um, Hassan bin Zayed, who is uh, a second cousin of the king, and Basim Awadallah, um, who, uh, who, who has been very, very close uh, to King Abdullah. Uh, he was uh, chief of the royal court. He was minister of uh, finance. And then he retired to business. Both of them um, um, have a very close relationship in the Gulf, all over the Gulf, but primarily in Saudi Arabia. And that probably gave rise to the speculation that uh, foreign governments um, uh, were involved uh, in this. Uh, but we're talking about uh, two individuals uh, with no record uh, of uh, challenging regime stability, but like many others, uh, often express themselves um, in criticism of the efficiency of government policies. Right. We've seen that charge of conspiring with foreign powers leveraged by um, some of the people involved in this situation. Foreign Minister Ayman al-Safadi has accused Prince Hamza of doing just that. And, you know, that sort of allegation seems to be kind of standard fare when you have events like this take place in non-democratic countries. Do we know if in this case there's any veracity to these charges? of conspiring with foreign powers? First, uh, I obviously agree with you. Uh, the first thing that you do is blame uh, foreign uh, agents uh, for any domestic instability. Um, um, they, the uh, suggestion that it might be Saudis or Emiratis, and now I've seen also that it's the MBC, MBS, the Crown Prince of, of Saudi Arabia, and MBZ, uh, the Crown Prince and also effective leader uh, of uh, United Arab Emirates, 
uh, that they uh, are behind the conspiracy, whereas in the Jordanian circles, uh, they're more pointing the figure at Iran as a, as, as a most convenient um, address. Um, but look, we, we really don't know. Uh, but when you look at what has transpired, and you see that there wasn't a single, at least to the extent that we know, not a single senior military uh, figure uh, arrested or involved um, to suspect that uh, somebody was really plotting a, a coup d'etat and to take over uh, the, um, the uh, um, royal palace uh, without any support from the security establishment seems a bit far-fetched. So my inclination is to assume uh, that this is an internal issue um, and it's too early to judge, but it looks as though at least this phase has been uh, dealt with firmly uh, by the authorities, uh, but it, it indicates something far deeper. It indicates a very serious situation in Jordan in terms of internal stability, given the confluence of basic economic problems of a country that has no natural resources uh, and basically is landlocked, except for the Gulf of Aqaba. Um, and um, and the, the, uh, uh, whereas it, it managed fairly well the first two waves of the uh, corona pandemic, uh, the third one hit it very, very hard. Um, and the, 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 the reaction of the regime in terms of curtail further curtailing uh, civil rights, freedom of expression, and so on, uh, created a uh, pressure cooker uh, that is really steaming hard. Of course, this isn't happening in a vacuum. And on the Israel side of things, this incident seems like it could not have come at a worse time. This is all taking place against the backdrop of a period of really strained relations between Israel and Jordan. Uh, ties have faced stress over a number of issues, including uh, the water issue, but I think most notably the status of Jerusalem. Uh, Jordan recently registered a complaint with the Israeli government over um, a recent rise or, or uptick in uh, Jewish visitors to the Temple Mount, um, and aides to Prime Minister Netanyahu have cast aspersions against Jordan's viability, some allegedly referring to it as a country in decline, uh, which I have to say, as an aside, is uh, consistent with what uh, I heard from Israelis when uh, we were doing research uh, with our colleague Shira Efron for our viable option study uh, in terms of uh, attitudes from some people in the government about Jordan. So, you know, taking all of that together, how does such a threat to Jordan's stability impact its relationship with Israel? Well, nothing focuses the mind like the hanging uh, noose. Jordanian stability has been taken for granted for far too long um, uh, by Israeli politicians and by those who whisper on their ears, um, all with the exception of the defense establishment. Our defense establishment is doing everything it can to persuade politicians 
that Jordan's stability is in Israeli strategic interest. That were it not for Jordan, uh, we would not have met Iran and its proxies 350 kilometers east of the Jordan River. On Jordan's border with Iraq, uh, our Air Force would not have had the same freedom of maneuver when going after Iranian targets uh, and its proxies in Syria. Um, that the strategic depth that Jordan provides Israel, that the stable Jordan provides Israel, uh, is indispensable. Uh, yet we find several streams in Israeli politics um, about Jordan. One stream that, uh, as you said, uh, you encountered in the prime minister's office itself, uh, not necessarily the prime minister himself, uh, are those who still entertain the hope that one day the Palestinian issue would be resolved in Jordan and not in the West Bank. Uh, the old Jordan is Palestine notion um, is still alive and in high circles here. A second stream are those who are totally ignorant uh, of the, uh, our security uh, interest in, in, in Jordan's viability and stability. Uh, and they really don't look around close enough uh, to see how Iranian proxies show up on our doorstep, on our uh, borders uh, in Syria, uh, an effort to do the same in uh, Gaza. Uh, and God forbid if the kingdom is destabilized and something like this happens to our east as well. The worst of all in my book is the prime minister himself who understands the strategic importance and yet takes Jordan for granted. Uh, and the sequence of events in which he exhibited that attitude goes back years. Time after time, from his previous uh, tenure as prime minister, when he authorized the attempted assassination of the Hamas leader uh, Khaled Mash'al on Jordanian soil, which, of course, not of course, but but uh, uh, went wrong uh, and got the, the kingdom uh, up in arms on how do, dare we do that on their soil, uh, all the way uh, to his refusing to uh, uh, do what previous prime minister, all previous prime ministers have done, and that is increase the water quantity for Jordan, which suffers from shortage that in and of itself can destabilize the situation in, in primarily in the urban areas of Amman and other cities. Um, the insensitivity to Jordan's role as the custodian of the Temple Mount, Haram Sharif, as an element in regime legitimacy, which is enshrined in the peace treaty signed between Hussein and Rabin. Uh, the insensitivity to the to Jordan's role and to the status quo on the mountain all demonstrate lack of sensitivity to the need to invest uh, in Jordan's uh, stability. Um, so maybe the, the the only indication of perhaps some wakening up is the silence on the Israeli side. Uh, in terms of reacting to these events, 
um, silence that is uh, comprehensive, with the exception of one statement by the Minister of Defense, Benny Gantz, uh, that said that this is an internal situation and Jordan is an important strategic uh, partner to Israel. Right. Several people have noted what you just uh, observed there, this relative silence from the Israeli government as compared to uh, the other countries that have come out in support of King Abdullah. You were mentioning before uh, some of them we've heard from the United States, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Turkey, UAE, Lebanon, and others. Um, I have to imagine that given Israel's unique posture vis-a-vis uh, Jordan and uh, the the Arab countries writ large and the scale of the anti-normalization movement in Jordan, uh, maybe Israel being too loud on this issue might not be uh, so welcome. Uh, so what is the most sensible course for the Israeli government to follow here? Um, short term, obviously, keeping quiet, I think, is, is wise, just as you noted. Um, but Crises uh, are not the best moment for constructive policies. They should precede crises. They should be sustained during crises and continue thereafter. I don't know if this has been enough of a wake-up call uh, to the prime minister and his office, um, and maybe now they will heed better the advice of the security establishment and conduct Israel policy comprehensively vis-a-vis Jordan in a very different way. Invest in Jordanian stability by removing irritants from the relations on the one hand and contribute to uh, areas where we are relevant uh, to Jordanian, um, if not prosperity, stability, uh, first and foremost, water. Um, we can go to other areas as well. Um, you know, it, 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 it has been um, a tradition of Israeli leaderships, Netanyahu included, to be the chief lobbyists for Egypt in Washington. Um, whenever there was a, a, a sense that uh, Washington uh, policy vis a vis uh, Egypt may. Uh, affect uh, regime stability, Um, Jerusalem was there uh, to try and explain. Uh, Jordan receives uh, a handsome uh, support from the U.S., uh, about $1 billion of security aid every year, which is very, very important. The U.S. is present on Jordanian soil uh, with uh, forces. Uh, Jordan is the main ally of the United States in fighting all the way back to ISIS uh, and Al-Qaeda even, uh, and certainly um, uh, the situation uh, in, in Iraq and, 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 and Syria. Um, Israel should be the chief lobbyist for Jordan worldwide. Israel should provide much more water for Jordan. We are water-rich country. Our leadership was wise enough uh, to establish desalination plants Um, and therefore we can afford it, we should demonstrate to Jordanians some of the fruits of peace by investment, encouraging investments uh, in Jordan, which we do not do. I believe that 
there should be an Israeli task force, uh, interagency, that is dedicated to uh, structuring a policy and executing it that contributes to Jordanian stability and Jordan-Israel relations. Well, this is a developing situation, and I'm sure that there will be more information to follow uh, that will shape our understanding of it. Nimrod, thank you for taking the time to share your insights and expertise with us. My pleasure. And to our listeners, thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode of Israel Policy Pod. Until then, stay safe and stay healthy. Stay healthy.